The Bakari Sellers Podcast tackles the most pressing current events through conversations and interviews with high-profile guests. Building upon his experience in South Carolina government and politics and his experience as a lawyer, Sellers will talk to his guests about all topics from the world of politics. Check out the Bakari Sellers Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Everybody, welcome back. This is Larry Wilmore. You are listening to Black on the Air with me, Larry Wilmore. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. Really appreciate it. Um, really, really fun show today. I'm talking to the great Lee Daniels, great producer and director, uh, about his uh, newest film called The United States versus Billie Holiday. Really, really, really cool uh, look at uh, this particular part of Billie Holiday's life her career and her struggle with the FBI and with her own addictions. Had a great talk with Lee about the making of it. And man, Andrew Day, let me tell you, her performance in this is, whoo, uh, she's got to be nominated for an Oscar. Has to be. It's just amazing. I mean, she really is Billie Holiday in this. Really is amazing. So I was thinking about what I want to talk about. God, you know, I'm just exhausted. <laughs> ah, the, all, everything out there exhausts me right now, you know. There's not uh, one particular story that I want to focus on. And I do want to follow up on some of the stuff I said last week. But this week, um, the only thing I'm going to mention again is, you know, I'm still uh, mourning the death of my brother, Mark Wilmore. Um, such a big loss to our family. And I, I share with you guys some of the issues he had been struggling with, uh, health issues over the years and stuff. But I did want to give a, a... Mark was a writer for The Simpsons for a number of years. And I wanted to... Thank the Simpsons. If you guys are watching, if you listen to this before Sunday night, February 28th, there's a little tribute to my brother at the end of the show. They have a little animated uh, version of my brother, Mark. So thank you to the Simpsons. Uh, that's so nice of you guys. I mean, I'm I'm so overwhelmed. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing, you know. Uh, and I thought I would share this little story about my brother just uh, since... I'm bringing that up and I don't feel like talking about this other stuff. I mentioned this in the Zoom memorial. I don't think I mentioned this in the podcast, but this is just to give you an insight of who my brother was. My brother always kept it 100 <laughs> before it was even a popular thing, you know. And uh, I remember when we were kids and we saw the movie Planet of the Apes. And me, being the little film critic, you know, wannabe or whatever, looking at it going, man, you know, such a cool movie you know, that they actually came back to earth, you know, thinking of the Statue of Liberty and all that stuff, you know. And my brother's takeaway, this is who Marcus, my brother's takeaway from the movie Planet of the Apes is that he was very upset 
that the dark apes, the gorillas, <laughs> were the militaristic ones and the belligerent ones, whereas the light ones, you know, were the intelligent ones and the peaceful ones. My brother had a problem with that and saw the film as tremendously racist. I just thought that was really funny at the time. And that's kind of who Mark was. He saw that even as a kid, he could say that, you know, that was his takeaway. But anyhow, just a fond memory of him. And I also wanted to share this, um, not so much out of frustration, which I am, but kind of out of solidarity with the people who are going through deaths of loved ones right now with COVID. And it really is a tough thing. And I'll just share this with you guys just to give you kind of a window on what kind of this is like from a certain perspective. So my brother passed away on January 30th. We um, have plans to bury him in the same um, place where my nephew who had a tragic death years ago, was buried, and my grandmother's buried there. So, you know, we want to put Mark up there as well. The first time we could get an appointment to actually make a date for the funeral was February 18th. My brother passed away January 30th. The first date we could get for a funeral was February 18th. Okay. February 18th. You know, I'm doing the plans with my sister-in-law and brother's wife. The first time we could get for a burial service was March 17th. If we wanted a funeral service, like in the chapel there, which you normally have, and a burial service at the gravesite, both of those, it would be mid-April. That's how many bodies are backed up because of COVID, that it takes a couple of months just to bury my brother. I just, I, I am frustrated about this, but I'm not telling you this to tell you my frustration. I'm telling you this because that's the reality of what's happening out there, you guys. This tragic situation that we're in. I'm not, this is not just my family. Many families are going through this. Naturally, all the families that are in line right now. While we're on the phone, to, we decided just to do a graveyard service. I can't have my brother just you know, we can't wait around till April to bury my brother, for goodness sake, right? March 17th went away, and then the earliest we could get was March 22nd. Like we're buying concert tickets for something, right? You know, it's crazy. So March 22nd is the day that we will actually be able to bury my brother who died on January 30th. This is crazy, guys. It, it's, a, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to share this personal thing, but I thought I would, like I said, um, because my heart really does go out to everybody that has had to deal with this type of thing right now and who is dealing with it right now. And I want to make sure that, let me put it in another way. Let's be proactive about this. Let's make sure that as we're getting back to the functioning, you know, society, things back to normal, whatever, we got to find ways to take care of each other, to take care of ourselves and to take care of each other, man. There, I'm telling you, there is some PTSD on its way. And I'm very concerned about like many of the kids who are, aren't able to be in classrooms and they're kind of, some of their interests are dropping out. Some have had some really dark times, like suicide. There's all kinds of issues coming up. Some kids are doing well and that's good, but a lot of kids are not. And there are issues with opening up and all that stuff. My sister's a teacher. I come from a family of teachers, you know. And this is a big concern of mine also. But not just 
that area, I think we're all going to have to find ways proactively to take care of each other and ourselves, you guys. I, I'm not trying to be Pollyanna about this or whatever that term is. <laughs> I don't know what I said. But I want to put this in your minds right now because, and I'll do this, I'll use my platform for this. When I can, if I stumble across ways or I can find ways or whatever it is, where I can help to make this happen, I will share it with you. And if you have ways you'd like to share with me, and I'm talking about positive, proactive ways to help us get back, or not even back, just help us to deal, cope, and get better. You know, I'll try to do it with making people laugh. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of projects in the works right now. Um, thank God, very lucky about that. Knock on wood, and hoping that you'll enjoy some of those and. You know, entertaining is what I do, so I'm hoping to do that. But there's a lot of things we can do, whether it's community service, you know, just intervening in situations that you see are important situations to intervene in, especially with kids, taking care of our elders and that sort of thing, which I'm quickly becoming, I think. Um, And whatever it is, guys, 2021, I'm trying to make positive here, trying to make positive and find the ways where we can heal. That is the operative word right now is healing, healing, healing. That's why sometimes I don't even like talking about politics and all this crap because it's just toxic. So much of it is just toxic. You know, I'm going to try to put as much of my focus on healing and I will keep it a hundred when I have to about some of these things that I see out there, but I'm not going to focus a lot of my energy in that, but I will some of it, especially cultural issues. I'll, pro- I'll talk about that more than the political stuff, I think. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys. A little personal today. But, you know, sometimes that's what we do here on Black on the Air. That's it. I haven't forgot about some of the stuff I want to talk about, but I will do that uh, when time's appropriate. And in the meantime, to talk about some, you know, a person in need of healing was Billie Holiday. It was amazing how much pain that woman was in. And the gift that she gave people while she was in it is amazing, which is her music, that legacy of it. So... Coming up right after this, I hope you enjoy my talk with Lee Daniels about uh, his movie, The United States versus Bill Halliday. Right. All right, welcome back, you guys. Uh, very special treat. This uh, year has been full of treats, you guys. We got another one, and I'm very excited about this gentleman. I mean, he's given us so many treats over the years. Monsters Ball, Precious, Empire. Uh, nobody saw that treat coming you know, on television. But this is a very special uh, movie that he's dropped on us right now. The United States versus Billie Holiday. Mr. Lee Daniels, welcome to Black on the Air, Lee. It's good to see you. Thank again. you, my black brother. How are you, Lad? What's, what's shaking, baby? I'm hanging in there, Lee. Hanging in there. It hasn't always been easy, but, you know, everybody's going through it and we'll try to do the best we can. Is what yeah. we're, what we're trying to do, but I'm so happy to see you. Um, and I love the fact that you did this project. This this really speaks to me on so many different levels, you know. And uh, and I just want to tell people who haven't seen it, please go see it. And I'll talk about the whole big screen aspect and all that. And I, this is a movie to be seen on the big screen, I believe, because uh, Lee, uh, it, this is a very stylistic, I'll say, approach to telling us this not really well known story about. Uh, Billy Holiday 
mm-hmm. and kind of what she went through at the time. And it's it's very lush and it's very personal at the same time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so congrats on that. And what drew Thank you, you what drew you to this project uh, to do this? Because it's you know your films are always different. You know you're always giving something different. But this is in another <laughs> lane in and of itself, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think uh, you know what. Billie Holiday herself has always been an interesting figure in my life. Someone Mm -hmm. that is just, I can't quite figure out why I love Mm her. I I could never, the realness. Yeah. Lady Sings the Blues is the reason that I'm doing film right now. As Mm -hmm. a 13-year-old kid, I saw it. It affected me deeply. Me too. Me too. I mean, did it? I mean, how old are you? How old are you? you? I'm 59. Okay, so I'm 61. Right. And And in that, I don't know where you. I saw it in the theater. You seen the theater? Absolutely. It's the only place. I'm from LA. I grew up in Pomona, California. My my family's from Chicago, though. Okay, so here you go. So I'm watching that movie in the theater, and as a black teenager, it affected me to its to the core. Like I wanted to do that. I wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of the world because it was my world. I ain't never seen black people like that and dressed up in fashion and 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 beautiful Diana, beautiful Billy D, and the humor of Richard Pryor and and all the beautiful black people and the streets right. and Harlem. And, and you could literally smell the fried chicken popping off the screen yes. into the left. So I said, so what is that? I want to do that. I want to yeah. do that. And I think that, you know, when I look back on my career, kind of an origin story for you in many ways, that was, that was, yeah. that was the, anyway. So, uh, but that's not the real story. I think that black people needed that story. We needed to see two black people kissing for the first time on screen. We needed to see ourselves on screen. We needed to see Diana Ross go from, that straight and beautiful hair to that nappy hair when she was, when she was trying to kick it. (laughs) We needed to see the real. And so if you study my work, that real exists in everything, everything that I've done. And so through this, I've learned that that movie was more important to me than I thought it was anyway. So, but that wasn't the real story. Susan Laurie Parks is a brilliant, uh, brilliant playwright uh, who won a Pulitzer for top dog underdog. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, she wrote this script that just was based on uh, Johan Hari's Chasing the Screen book. Mm-hmm. And it, it messed me up, man. It just, I did not understand the depth of um, how dogged the government was mm. to Billie Holiday for her singing the song Strange Fruit, which we know what it's about. But mm-hmm. like, you know, to, what, to, to the levels of which they did to... Uh, circle her with her men, her friends, the clubs, yeah, just, and then putting her in jail, you know? So I just, just for having her stopping, they didn't want her singing that song about yeah. lynching black people. And um, that's one part. And the other part is really addiction. You know, I've mm-hmm. lost so many of my friends, uh, so many of my friends to drugs and uh, addiction. And um, I wanted to, I wanted to help myself too. This is the first time I've done a movie sober. Wow, congratulations. And, uh, thank you, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I just wanted to, if I can help one person get sober uh, mm-hmm. from Billy's story and also look how people realize that if Billy could do this shit back in the day, uh, if she could stand into the government, we should be doing the same thing. So sort of mm-hmm. a double whammy for me. I've been talking yeah. a lot. You ask the questions. <laughs> no, no, no. I like it. Because uh, there's so much. I have so much to uh, just react to, just even going back to the original film, which I agree. For me, it was seeing a leading Black man, a leading Black woman, 
doing this story. And Billy D. Williams was a revelation for our community during that oh. period as well. I mean, because Diana Ross was already a star, but Billy D. Williams was an emerging leading man, a black man who was a leading romantic figure, you know, which was not always the case. You know, they tried it. Harry Belafonte didn't quite crack that in that sense. Mm-hmm. Sidney Poitier was in his own category, but he wasn't considered a romantic lead, mm-hmm. you know, necessarily. And he was a straight up romantic lead, Billy D. Yeah. Williams. And you're right. And that was about love and so many things. And for me, as a comedian, seeing Richard Pryor, of course, in a movie was the best, you know. But mm-hmm. uh, but what's interesting- They about- didn't know what to do with him. And yeah. they didn't know, Richard was on his own trajectory, You know what I mean? I think they did know what to do with Richard. They knew that he could make a lot of money. Hollywood could make a lot of money off of Richard. So that was what that was. But with Billy D. Williams, he was not, he, they did, they suppressed him that he could have, he could, there's no reason why he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be Robert Redford, why he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have been that, you know, they didn't quite know what to do with him and or with Diana Ross, really, when you think about it. Yeah. And it's funny, even the title, the United States versus Billie Holiday, that title resonates on a lot of different levels. It wasn't just about this court case, but your movie really has this um, this portrait of her addiction, too, which to me is also the United States versus Billie Holiday, you know, mm-hmm. and the nature of black addiction, you know, with drugs and the complicity of the government and drugs and the black community and all these kind of issues are kind of swirling around kind of in the background, but it still feels very present because of the way you tell this story. Thank you, man. And it is present. And I didn't, you know, you just do it because it's in your spirit. You know, you can't figure out why uh, so many of your relatives are in jail Mm -hmm. or just trying to survive. And so many of your relatives are in jail for, (laughs) for being addicts. Mm-hmm. simply for being addicts. Why are we addicts? Why are we, no one wants to take a look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm surprised we're not all addicts, given that we have been, uh, just the, given the way the government and the way America has treated us since the time they brought us over here. I'm surprised that mm-hmm. we're not all addicts when you really think about it. And, uh, and, and it's time to rip the bandaid off and talk about this shit, Larry. It's time to, it's time to be real with it. And I, because it's so embarrassing to talk about, you know, for personally, sure. it's for, for, as my, for my addiction, it is the hardest thing I've done, like being able to talk candidly to you even, like to mm-hmm. talk about this shit. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a painful, I'm embarrassed about it, but I'm not embarrassed about it, if that makes any sure. sense at all. Well, there's a, this isn't the traditional biopic, biopic, I guess you could say. To me, it feels more like a scrapbook, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, All right. I, it was not I, a biopic, that's for sure. No, it's not a biopic. And I want people to know that going in because I feel like it gets reviewed as a biopic, but it's not that. I, I think some of the negative reviews I've seen have been, I think, missing the point. To me, mm-hmm. if, I feel like it's this loving scrapbook that gives you a sense of Billy, you know. Thank you. And, I think and, that's what I thank you, Larry. And you present it with, you know, you use different cinematic techniques too, which you know, are very interesting and very, it gives us the feeling. It's almost like a gestalt of Billy Holiday. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to get technical with it. But the reason why I want to say this is that, um, you know, when you talk about addiction and Billy Holiday, you go into a little bit of it during a trip about her origin story, which is kind of interesting and in how she grew up. You know, uh-huh. she, she was molested at a very young age where you don't really go into that much, you know, but, 
that type of theme has been in your movies, you know, abuse and that sort of thing. How, mm-hmm. how much of that was a part of your maybe approach to this and maybe how you were going to take, I'll say, take care of Billy in this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very much, mm-hmm. it lives in me, which is, I haven't read, of course, any of the reviews at all, but I have my people tell me snippets, just the he- headlines. And then I realized, dude, how can these white people talk about my, how can you judge? Like, what the fuck? Like, you have to laugh about it. Okay, Mr. White Man or Miss White Woman. Miss right. Gray-Haired White Woman. Right. Ms. So why is he so negative and, about the FBI? I don't understand. I, I don't know why. How can you judge me with my storytelling? How can you judge me for my storytelling when you don't even, you have not walked in my shoes. Mm-hmm. You have not. You have not eaten collard greens. You have not been put in a trash can because you're gay. You don't know what it's like to be black. You don't know what it's like to be black or a black storyteller. Mm-hmm. Judge white storytellers. You know, that's what I want to say, but I'm not saying it. But I guess I am saying it because I'm telling no, you. It's, like, all right. hey. it's okay. Dish all you want. I don't <laughs> care. It's not sour grapes. It's not sour grapes because it's the real, you know. No, like, you have the right to defend your vision and your work. Absolutely. You know, it's like, how I, I you know, it's weird. And then they choose to herald, uh, you know, stories that they, that are, that are, that they better understand, mm-hmm. you know, that I think, you know, I see the lens very differently from even right. most black people, you know what I mean? Sure, I'm, I'm from absolutely. a very specific lens and all of my work is pretty much the same, you know, it's from mm-hmm. the lens that you, of which we talked about that you just mm-hmm. mentioned. And, uh, but anyway, I don't know why I got off on that tangent. Yeah, well, I was talking about abuse and how it has been a thread in some of your movies, but you take care with it. You have a certain sensibility and sensitivity to it, mm-hmm. you know, as well. And, in, you know, Billie Holiday was abusing herself with drugs, but also abusing herself with the choice of men in her life who yes. stole, stole from her, you know, you know, physically abused her and that sort of thing. And it's very tricky to to try to, to portray this person in, in a way where you're not overly being sympathetic or whatever, you know, you're trying to be truthful on this. Uh, what was the challenges in trying to do that? We're, and how, how important was a Susie Laurie Park script to doing that as well? You, you cannot have, she couldn't be a victim. That was the key. Right, right. She could not be a victim and uh, she couldn't be a victim. And, but how do you do that? Yeah. So it's a, it's a tightrope. It's walking a tightrope. Right. Cause you, you know, one false move, and in your fall, you will fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went back and do some. We went back and do a, a additional footage, shooting rather, um, where I saw her crying. You know, I said I have to see Billy cry. I know mm. she's tough, mm-hmm. and I didn't want her to cry at all. So I went back to do some reshooting, and I created the character of Reginald Lord Divine, and he does it. He does. He's the white guy that interviews her in the beginning of the film. We come back to him why don't you stop singing the song? Why don't you stop? Mm-hmm. And then she, she says, why don't you stop? And so, it, so she starts crying. She says, cause I don't know how to stop. It's in my soul. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't know that if, you know, like if the government came after me and told me, uh, Lee, stop making movies. I would lose my mind. I, I don't know that I, I don't know that I could have, I don't know until after, until this movie, Larry, I don't know that I would have, uh, mm-hmm. I probably would have said, okay, you know, they're going to come up to my family, come up to my kids, stop me at all. If you don't stop telling a certain type of story, you know, 
this movie has, has changed my mind about like, you know, the courage that I have in telling stories. Yeah. The courage that, you know, people had to have at certain times. I mean, and the irony that, you know, they don't want her to sing a song about lynching as opposed to how about just stopping lynching? How about that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how about, we don't want to hear about it. How about we just stop it? How about that? You know, how, how long did the, now part of the story is that the FBI in the way that they do, uh, was I'll use the term investigating Billy Holiday. How long did that go on? This, uh, this connection with the FBI and Billy Holiday? 15 years. About 15, 15 years. Until, yeah, 15 years. From the yeah. time she began that song until the time that she died. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Strange, well, I, I'll come back to Strange Fruit, but I want to talk about this too, is um, you seem to have talent for turning people who we didn't think of actors into these ridiculous performances. You know, Mariah Carey, uh, you did a... Uh, even Monique, you know, she was a comedian because his performance. Mm. But Andrew Day is a revelation as as Billy Holiday. Tell me about the beginnings of that because I heard that you weren't quite sure, or she wasn't quite sure uh, when you yeah. first started. We both weren't quite sure. I had mm-hmm. a couple of great actors that I was uh, excited about, uh-huh. and uh, and everybody kept telling me to see her. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Simone was telling me to see her. Uh, her agents were calling me to see her. My sister mm-hmm. wanted me to see her. And uh, I, I don't like being told what to do. I don't, I, I, so I just, and I, and I also was, I don't know, I just didn't, I, I knew that I had the actors that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a good choice of somebody that, a couple people that had done the job. And uh, when I saw her, I met her, uh, I could tell that she really, not was just nervous about meeting me, but that she really was nervous about Billy's, she was a, a Billy Holiday connoisseur. Yeah. And that she really wanted to do Billie Holiday uh, right. And that she questioned herself even. And I found myself in the middle of the lunch mm-hmm. talking her into, uh, into uh, auditioning. And uh, I said, how does this happen? You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? uh-huh. She's talking to somebody about the job. I'm talking her into the job. And then she auditioned it. It was like, it was, uh, I had, I knew that with direction that she would, I knew that we were the perfect match. There was no Mm -hmm. way that we couldn't, that was God talking. It was God talking. We were on, that we both understood Billy uh, in a primal way. Mm -hmm. And that um, I took her to a great acting coach and to a great vocal coach. And, um, and also, you know, it was also, you know, my understanding, I was sober in, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting, you know, my first time, ever being sober. Did it feel um, different when you were on the set doing it? Did, were you a bit insecure about it? Cause I know a lot of like performers who feel like, man, I do so well when I'm not sober. What's it going to be mm-hmm. like when I am, you know, can I do the same thing? I was naked, bro. Mm-hmm. It felt really raw. Mm-hmm. And I felt, uh, I felt raw and, uh, you know, and it was therapeutic and it was like being in a therapy session. Mm-hmm. I can't explain it. It was, uh, she and I became one and it was, uh, it was, uh, I had the time of my life and it, mm-hmm. it, it, it made me know that, you know, that I can do other, I will be able to work successfully. <laughs> so, right. Now, yeah. did you, what was your approach to the film? Did you do the musical stuff first or did you tackle mm-hmm. tough things first? Because when you're dealing with a novice actor, you know, are you trying to warm them into it, mm-hmm. you know, by doing yeah. that type of thing? So what, what was your approach? It, 
Yeah, yeah. She gets the job. We go off and mm-hmm. do, uh, you know, a couple months before shooting. Mm-hmm. Well, we were prepping in uh, Montreal. She's in Miami and I'm flying back and forth from Miami to uh, Montreal. And this is all uh, pre-COVID, I'm sure, right? Way pre-COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Two years before COVID, a year and a half before COVID. Oh, wow. Uh, we are, she is singing the songs and I'm mm-hmm. giving her direction on the songs and her singing, her performing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we start. We go into production, and then we are finding our story as we are shooting and the tone. And I'm really even finding it. I'm finding right. things I didn't even know about the story. And she's becoming because of me of our discovery together of Billy's journey. Each mm-hmm. scene now takes on a different meaning and a different understanding for both of us. Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, the pre-records when you pre-record something. It's her voice, uh, but you lip sync it in right. when we're shooting it. So for and, matching uh, purposes and all that kind of stuff. Just only, for, yeah. Just, just so so people know how it works. Mm, mm-hmm. And it saves an enormous amount of money Absolutely. and time and everything. But, and producers don't like to do anything live because, you know, anything, and most likely it does go wrong live. But, uh, but uh, once we got on the ground and we started like playing, it was clear that the lynching scene became something else and she needed to sing it a different way. And, mm. uh, and so she had to sing that live. Mm. And then after she was beaten by her man, mm. um, right before lover man that we mm. had to sing that live. Cause it just didn't match. You know, wow. you, she experienced mm. it in real yeah. time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, lady sings the blue, th- all those songs took on a different meaning mm-hmm. after we had shot the scenes. Wow. So mm-hmm. it was a, and then, but not that they're not bad. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing when, when the release of the album released it. <laughs> yeah, but I'm two thinking different about like, the, yeah, because that's they great. really are brilliant. But you see the di- you see both are brilliant, but you see that you're in them when you're in mm-hmm. it. It's a whole different uh, thing, man. It's a whole different beast, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work with what what we thought worked with, simply would, would, would have been saccharine. Mm-hmm. Was it something she was aware of also, or this was your observation? Uh, um, I don't know what her ops. I mean, I think mm-hmm. so. I mean, I, she just followed mm-hmm. my lead. So it was. Okay. Uh, she was so she great. She trusted I mean, you, you know, on it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there had to have been a lot of trust because some of the raw sex scenes and just the way that she laid herself bare in so many ways mm-hmm. uh, must have been a challenge uh, for her. Well, were those a challenge? Uh, filming as well or did was it did it have the same type of effortless feel to it uh she made it effortless uh Uh and he made it effortless because they (laughs) larry i was the nervous one (laughs) you know i just didn't want to read the headlines lee daniels is taking advantage of this girl and i i did i wanted to cut the scene scenes and i just wanted to die i personally wanted to dilute it because i just didn't want to take advantage of her i, I just didn't want, but she was a what do you mean I, take advantage of her what, i still want to think that, that we were just using what's the word larry when you just have uh exploit sex, exploitive sex exploitative mm-hmm. sex sure. but there was a reason behind the sex because she grew up in a brothel she was mm-hmm. a prostitute uh you know she was raped it's like you know you the sex is significant it, that was her love because she didn't know how to love anything else. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was important. And and so, but I, 
didn't want to, I felt very protective of both of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, they knew that. And so they really, I think that that made them really, it made them, they, they knew that I was, that was the only time I was really anxious and I was nervous for my cinematographer. Who's also, who's worked with me on empire and Butler and precious. Mm -hmm. And he was right up in the bed with them. Yeah. So it was, it was an uncomfortable situation and they saw how uncomfortable I was and they wanted me. Ironically, I think it worked so well because we were a family and they wanted to take care of me. It was the yeah. one time I didn't know really quite how to, I got the, <laughs> cause I really was protecting them. They're actors and they're bearing their souls yeah. literally for me, you know? But, and also, you know, to give you credit too, is you, the, the way you deal with love is you're not afraid to have pain in there. It, it's in all of your work, you know. Is that, it? Absolutely, you know. Oh wow, okay. I, I, mean, I don't really. Monsters Ball is all about that. It's yeah, all about it yeah. the you know pain and love, right? I mean, yeah. Halle Berry's anguish throughout the entire thing. You yeah. know? Um, I think it's. I think it goes through much of your work. You know that there's this, and by I don't know if pain is the right word. But there is a pain is a good word though, bro. Yeah, because I, uh, yes, it's a raw world. To use your word, raw. There's yeah. something raw about pain, and to see because and once again, to Billy was in a lot of different types of pain. You know, because mm -hmm. anyone that is a drug addict, as you know, there's a pain that can't be addressed by these things that they have around them. It's deeper than that. You know, it's even the singing only lasts for a little bit, you know, like what's going to solve the pain, the heroin or the singing, which one's going to, which one's going to work. It's not the lovemaking. That's not going to do it. You know, if anything, it's these things that make the person feel normal to them, you know, and what's normal to them, unfortunately has a lot of pain associated with it, you know, mm -hmm. and that's an interesting part of Billy's story. You know, which um, the other part of it is black life during that time. And here's what I also appreciate about the movie. And a lot of people should know that, like, and this is something being in showbiz that maybe you can relate to. And I can, too. Like, there's a, a part of showbiz that's really hard, you know. And being a black musician during that time, like, you had hard niggas, you know, in that type of life. You know, like, people with straight razors who would cut you for, like, reasons. You know what I mean? Like, and seeing, like, raw niggas on oh. screen. Like yeah. that, the last husband, like that's a raw nigga, you know, and that type of stuff. It's like, I appreciate those types of characters. You're not trying to gloss, gloss them over. Like, so, no, there's some raw shit that happened back there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, there's a mix of these Thank types of characters. Thank you so you know? much for that, man. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. I think Rob Morgan is probably one of the best actors yeah. alive right now. Yeah. And he, uh, he is just so exquisite. He, I can't wait to work with him over because he, he got the rawness. He knew that nigga yeah. with a yes. split. And he knew there's so that I literally, the, the studio, I had to, you thought this version was, wait, you see my director's cut, Larry. The, yeah. um, I had to tame it way down Wow. because he, there's a scene where he beats her. Uh. And, uh, I just said, okay, she was beaten once. I don't know whether she, you know, but this is really other than the mother, Jimmy's mother in this story, this, all this shit is real. Like this ain't no make-believe. All of it is documented. All of it is, you can, our interviews yeah. are up and this is all on the internet yeah. people. So, um, you know, Jimmy's mother, we couldn't, we, I couldn't find any information about her, about his family, about mm -hmm. his life. So I made hey, Jimmy, Jimmy's the FBI uh, person in the film for those of you yeah. who haven't seen it. But Rob, yeah, but, mm -hmm. but Louis McCabe, that's Billy D. Williams, Joe. Mm -hmm. 
Louis McKay was an advisor on uh, on on Lady Sings the Blues, so he thought he was going he thought he was going to get off like Billy D. Williams, but we we you know we got the receipts, we got the receipts. Wow, you know, and uh, and he was that nigga, and yeah. I wanted to show that nigga, you know, right? Yeah, unapologetic. Uh, the other thing is uh, LGBTQ has a certain revisionist feel, but you give it an authentic feel. Like it can't have a revisionist feel when people go back and look certain times in history. But what does revisionist mean? What does revisionist mean? It means it's viewed through the eyes, uh, through a contemporary lens, you know, primarily uh-huh. of what people would wish relationships to be, you know? Okay. But yeah. I, I appreciate that. I felt like I could have been dropped in 1947 or whatever it is when I look at those characters Thank and you, I, man. And I see how you portray them. That's what I Thank mean by the, the how you're keeping it 100 in that sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's people also- think that people think that, like, you know, I think somebody said, oh, they didn't talk like that. Or something. I forget. Tyler Perry, who I love, loved it. But he had one note. It was like, they didn't talk like that. I was like, they did. And uh, they did. And yeah. some of the some of the um, dialogue has just trickled down to to our world and uh mm. to to our dialect today right and uh, dialogue today so um yeah mm-hmm. well what it is people think gay people started existing in the 70s you know <laughs> <laughs> that they didn't exist before them but sorry they did yeah. but yeah. the relationship to a gay person was just different in society mm-hmm. it wasn't talked about in the same way but it's not like it was ignored like people didn't acknowledge that you know you were someone was in a lane or that mm-hmm. they didn't express them they expressed themselves a certain way mm-hmm. but it, it was just different you know but it wasn't it was a different type of invisibility i'll say you know truly uh, and i don't think that we you know when you really study miss freddie's character mm-hmm. i don't know of uh, a black uh gender fluid character that has been given that much care on screen you know, when you when she opens and we see her with her balding, you know, two like balding hairline around her, which shows time jumping and uh and the weight gain. And then we cut back to in time where we see him with different wigs on and 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 the humor and uh and the pain and and what it was like to sort of be in that world and gender fluid at that time. Ain't nobody doing that. For, well, ain't nobody doing that. We don't see that for black people at all. Uh-huh. And I think it's so important to give life to uh, to people that I know. Like uh-huh. I know Miss Freddie. You know Miss Freddie. I put, I know Miss Freddie. You know uh-huh. I just like why are we why are we embarrassed about showing that 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 man uh-huh. or that woman, whoever he, he wants to be called. Right, and there's also that component. For Billie Holiday's life, which I really didn't know about, but it completely makes sense. Um, the whole side story that we you don't go into too much detail with Tallulah Bankhead at the time. Yeah. I wanted to do, but I couldn't. You know, I, it was so much. Which is a whole movie by itself, by the way. I know, man. <laughs> I wanted to um, tell that story, and I couldn't yeah. tell the story because I just had to focus on the government. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't a biopic. And I had right. to focus on the government tracking her. Mm-hmm. And really the double entendre of the government being that love affair, Jimmy, that love affair with Jimmy and she, which wasn't really a, an equal love affair because I don't think Jimmy, Billy knew how to really love. And I think that, uh, I think that, um, but Jimmy loved her 
well, another powerful moment in the film for me is uh, when uh, Jimmy tells Billy, um, I love you, Billy Holiday. Mm-hmm. And she tries to in, take that in and she turns back with, my limit don't work no more. She doesn't just, she doesn't know how to take love in any way. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I understand that, you know, I understand mm-hmm. when you are so broken, you don't even know what love is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that the film feels uh, particularly relevant now, uh, especially after this last year that we had, you started working on it four or five years ago. And now with the release of it, you know, with the protests we've had over this last year and, the more revelations that come out about the FBI's complicity in black terror, I'll say <laughs> my words, you know, I love uh, that word though. You know, you ain't got to explain to me what that word is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty simple, but it gives it a, such an added relevance right now too. Uh, with those types of things. I'm sure that's something you didn't count on at the time, but does it feel, does it feel that way to you as well? Or it does. It really does. It's uh it is hard for me to yesterday was the release of the film mm-hmm. and it was really releasing it into that's why I really hate it. I mean, I told people, I don't want to know what the critics are saying. I mean, I, I didn't want to read, I don't read reviews, but you know, they, I say I need a heads up. So I'm walking, I know what the hell I'm, you know, I, mm-hmm. and so it's hard for me to leave my baby. Cause I call it the baby. Every film that I have is right, a child. Right. It, it's so much work and sure. love and nature, you know, it's, it's five, it's four years of, even maybe a couple more years before that, I'm really trying to figure out what it is that I'm giving yeah. birth to. And uh, so, and then to, and to see it not on the big screen, even, you know, um, mm-hmm. to, cause that's how I, you know, I shot it on film and it should be on film. Um, one of maybe four movies that were shot last year. on. What was film. your decision to shoot it on film? Cause I, I don't, every movie I have has been shot on film. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to not shoot a movie on film. I've never yeah. shot digitally at all. And so, uh, but I'm the last of a dying breed. Yeah. Larry, you, you know, Scorsese, uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, they, I would have saved $400,000. I would have saved $400,000 if I had shot it. Uh, it looks great, though. Thank you. But anyway, to release it streaming, mm-hmm. to release it streaming and uh, to, to release it to the hounds, to take a shit all over it every now and then, it, it, it disturbs me deeply. Mm. It disturbs me. It disturbs me because it's it, Billy's legacy is um, and the story that we were trying to that we are trying to get out is, is that the government, these white motherfuckers got to her. And even now they're trying to get to her. No, mm-hmm. fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. And the boat that you came in on. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever have a reckoning for some of the shit the FBI has done? I mean, you know, we had the documentary recently about MLK and the FBI, you know. In fact, mm-hmm. there was uh, the other United States versus was United States versus John Lennon, you know, <laughs> which is battle with the uh, with the government and everything. You know, another uh, another music star being accosted for hold for a lot of different reasons. But, mm-hmm. you know, the government always thinking that, you know, these people they gonna, know best. Yes, I got to give no, everybody they, the truth. And there's some take, trouble. There's some trouble we, brewing. We, we are in a democracy. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We live in a democracy. Okay. Yeah. If that's what you think. No, I don't think so. I don't think mm-hmm. so. Not in, uh, not as we, in this democratic place that we're in. But then we get into dangerous zone about, well, what is, what it, then what defines 
democracy. Mm-hmm. It's so gray, Larry. Life yeah. is gray. It is. It is. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And Strange Fruit was originally written by a teacher, was it? Maripol. Uh, no, Maripol wrote it, who uh-huh. was um, Jewish. Uh-huh. And um, nobody was singing a song. Nobody, uh-huh. nobody was He was trying to get somebody black to sing the song. Nobody was singing the song. Uh-huh. And Billy was... <laughs> Billy was like, yeah, I'll sing it for you, baby. And then I read somewhere somewhere that she was telling people that she sort of co-wrote the song. And I don't know how true that was, but I'm going to, I I just, I just probably added one little line here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because, and she had it in her repertoire for about 20 years. It's a long time. Mm -hmm. You've done your Billy Holiday work, man. Well, you know, got to do some of it, you know. Yeah, but, you, you did your Billy Holiday homework. Well, here's here's an interesting tidbit about Billy because God bless the child, which arguably, you know, besides Strange Fruit, is probably her most enduring, you know, mm-hmm. if not more famous ones, you know, which, you know, you're not sure if it's in the gospel lane or where it is exactly. It was actually a song about her mother, which I didn't know. Do you know the origins of that song? I do know the origins of that. Yeah. That's what she says. That's what she says, right? Yeah, for some reason, I don't quite believe it, though. I don't yeah. know why I should say that about my beloved Billie Holiday. I'll say it, think- I'll say it, because it's a great story. I'll just give it a little bit of it. So- yeah, I don't know whether I believe it. Do you believe it? Because she's yes. to say shit this to be saying shit. I completely no. believe it. She's to say I'll, shit this to be saying shit, though. I understand. But if here's, she'd have another story for it, if she, was, if she had some gin in her, then it'd be another yeah. story. Okay? <laughs> yes. so. I, I don't disagree. But here's here's the thing that is back there, too. There's some petty motherfuckers back there, too, man. You know, especially yes. it was petty motherfuckers all the time, you know. But if that song is about pettiness, that is hilarious, you know. Um, uh, <laughs> Tell because I ain't going to see it. Okay, so apparently, you know, Billie Holiday famously had a uh, really difficulty with managing money, primarily because of her drug addiction. Heroin was not cheap, you know. But, you know, like anybody that makes it, money goes to their family members as well. And she had a very difficult relationship with her mother, which you touched on a little bit. And her mother, I think, opened a restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. Or was, yeah, something yep, like that. Yeah, a restaurant in Harlem. 
Yes, a restaurant in Harlem with Billy's money, Billy financing it. Yes, you know, she was uh, she was Paul Servino in uh, Goodfellas. You know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Billy needed some money and went to her mama. You know, who told her she should be a prostitute when she was a young girl? Uh, that she needed somebody. The mama told her to go fuck off. I ain't giving you any money. And they said, this bitch, you know, it said, God bless the child that has his own, <laughs> that yep. has his own money, you know, that she got to go begging to somebody for it. I think that's, it, from her point of view, that song came out of just uh, <laughs> just being mad at her mother over not giving her any money. And I guess I believe it today. Yeah. Catch me tomorrow, I don't. It just depends mm-hmm. on the day. Because Billy was, Billy was sometime. You know, she was so yeah. tiny. And that was the beauty of Billy. You know, she yeah. was messy. She I was tried messy. To make, I messy. made a messy film to honor a messy individual. Wow. Do you know I what I mean? That. No, I that love was, that. That was, a, great. that was that was what I was trying to do. You know, that's what I'm trying to do and trying to tell. That's yeah. what addiction is. It's messy. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what What is the the thing ultimately that you think was going to resonate the most? To me, I have to be honest with you. It might be the addiction part, you know, mm-hmm. um, because even though over the government, I think so. Why I so, re- Larry? Well, because there's something. It's the humanness of this person and what she had to go through. It, because, for instance, you don't need the government. You don't need the addiction to tell the government story. You know, this story. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we we just saw MLK versus the FBI. You know, mm-hmm. the FBI fucks with every nigga, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we could tell that story, but it's the addiction part, which is this human part of this story that is interesting about Billie Holiday and how it tells her particular story. And it's that dance, that dance. And it's something that you're very familiar with too, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how it, it, it can attract the worst elements, you know, to you and, and just do all these other things. And that's what's fascinating to me about that. Even the thing with Jimmy, I don't even know his story about with heroin, but, you know, apparently he was doing it too. I don't know how long. I don't know if he became an addict or whatever, but that's he did a fasc- not become an addict. He did but not that's also a fascinating scene. Like, those to me are yeah. some of the standout scenes, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And the the when she takes him by the hand, and I think you're showing us a, it, it feels like we're on a trip, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the whole great it's a great sequence you know that ends in this very powerful image and i'll let you guys see it it's it's the most powerful image in the film i think which to me is so connected to the strange fruit of this you know which is different story than the fbi thing i guess i'm saying Mm -hmm. which which to me is the framework to tell that but that's just my take on it you know i think you i I know man i'm fascinated about your because what you do best and this is what i'm giving you props is you get to that heart of that human story, you know, and what mm. we should really be caring about in there. Mm. Sorry. I don't know. You may be right. No, no, you may be right. I just, <laughs> I, I just, I think that that's in the, that's always in the back of my head in telling the story. And, you know, the story ultimately I thought was about, I think is about the government taking her down. But I think that, yeah. I think that the addiction was so strong that even even after they came for her in jail, she was still, I couldn't even write everything I wanted. I couldn't even put in everything I wanted to put in. Like yeah. the dog was a traveler for the drugs. She had that dog trained to drive, to walk up and down Amsterdam and Harlem yeah. to get from the drug man into her house. Correct. Cause she had, that's how slick she was and had the dog trained to, to do, to do drug runs. 
Um, yeah. How was Billie Holiday in your research? Uh, there's a, a section of it where you have, uh, I forgot who it was. It may have been a black reporter uh, who's kind of negative on Billie when she had to go to prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what, where was Billie at around that time in the black community? Was she, was she kind of, uh, where was she from your research? Do you, do you know? I mean, the same way they treated Whitney Houston, you know, the mm-hmm. same way we treat some of the greats until they're gone or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, we are hardest on our own people. I love that line. Mm-hmm. You know, we are hardest on our own people yeah. uh, because we expect perfection. We've been brainwashed by the white man that we need to be perfect. So it's a, it's a, it's a, that's an ongoing theme too. in, in what it is that uh, I try to say, and no, she was not beloved. She was, no, she was not beloved. Um, mm-hmm. There was a, and that's all she wanted to, that's all, that was yeah. her main audience. That's who she really wanted to please. Mm-hmm. She really wanted to please us. Yeah. She just wanted to please us. And, uh, and, you know, us gave us, gave her, her, our asses to kiss. Mm-hmm. which is really uh, painful. That's painful, you know? I mean, not everybody, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, she was asked to leave many, maybe because she was high too. The, uh, the Apollo several times, she'd fuck mm-hmm. him up and cuss him out and leave. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Oh, she man. wasn't Ella Fitzgerald at all. Not um, at all. You know, what was brilliant about Billy though was because she lived if you really study all of her songs uh, uh-huh. and you listen to different versions of whatever song that you're listening to, it's never ever the same way. And mm-hmm. you always feel like you are going off the rails. You always feel like, is she going to get through this one right here? Or what, mm-hmm. what is this that she's doing? And she is, uh, and that's genius. I think that is genius when she, that's what makes, cause she's living in the moment, Larry, she's in the, she's, is she singing in the moment? because she didn't believe that the next moment was going to come. This is a woman, and it, it, try to wrap your head around it. This is a woman that was literally born in a brothel, mm-hmm. that was a prostitute, mm-hmm. that was arrested for getting raped, that was drugging herself to heal herself. She did mm-hmm. not think that she was going to make it. And she said Harry Ainsley was going to kill her. Oftentimes, she said, Harry, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. And I don't think she realized that she was going to make it. So when you see the work, when you listen to the work, the work is in the moment. The songs are never the same. The tones are never the same. The mm-hmm. vocals are never the same because she is living in the moment. And because she didn't think the next moment was coming. And when you are, um, when she, uh, that's why she fought the government. She wasn't, she didn't think of herself as a civil rights leader. She didn't think of herself. She was just like doing the right thing because she knew that, uh, there was no other way of doing it. And she had nothing to lose. That's the, the brilliance of Billie Holiday. She had nothing to lose mm-hmm. by, by being right present in the moment and telling the government, go fuck yourself. What was your uh, opinion while you were doing this about <sighs> kind of like the, the black part of bringing black people down, you know, because uh, you had the black FBI uh, agents that are working on this and mm-hmm. you know you have the character Jimmy who seems to have a problem with this but some of the other agents don't you know mm-hmm. this is another issue you know in the film that you know it, and it seems something that we're kind of wrestling with today our own people bring complicit in bringing our own people down 
that was a hard part for me mm-hmm. as a storyteller to, right. that was one of the hardest things to do was to keep Jimmy. How do you redeem yourself after? Right. How, how's our lead guy redeem himself after, which I think I achieved, which in that, in, in the beginning, you know, what is your fear as a filmmaker? What is, what is your set off? What you setting off? Do this. What do you want? Well, one was to make sure, uh, uh, Billy was uh, not a victim. And the second was to make sure that Jimmy wasn't a dick after he, how do we nuance that? Because he is a dick. He, 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 he you know, so, you know, through storytelling, we sort of feel, we understand, I don't know you forgive him, but you understand him. Well, you he almost him. feels like the protagonist in a lot of this movie. You know, we're seeing a lot of it mm-hmm. from his point of view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My dad was a cop. Mm-hmm. He he uh, he was in the line. He was killed in the line of duty in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and um, he was six foot four. He was a, he he really sorry. He was killed. He he was a boxer, so he didn't even need his gun. Mm. So he he used to go out and beat niggas. He was like put his gun down. My mother would always tell him, "Take your gun." The one time he didn't take his gun, he was killed. But needless to say. He sparred with Muhammad Ali. He was Muhammad Ali's uh, bodyguard while in Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah. And so he, I never, he was such a strong figure to me. Mm-hmm. I never saw him cry ever, except when he came home from move and um, when Rizzo was in office and, 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 uh, and he did something that he took to his grave to those move kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I, he cried almost like he was having a nervous breakdown. Wow. And I, I, I don't, I, to this day, I don't know what it was, but I think it was something that he d- did. And so I think that when I think of Jimmy and I think Jimmy had a job to do, mm-hmm. like my dad had a job to do, to put food on the table for us. Right. And I think that he struggled with that. And I think that Jimmy struggled with that too. I know that Jimmy struggled with that. Yeah. It is complicated. Uh, and that's what we say. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> you actually do. And I Definitely love Billy for this. Billy, like, Billy was like, I was like, this is when I, I fell in love with Billy because yeah. everybody with the Baltimore club, here come Jimmy, yeah. here come this nigga. And, and everybody <laughs> said, what the fuck is he, what are you doing? What is he doing right. in here? And uh, Billy says, let him, let him, let him go. She had no judgment. She, yeah. uh, she understood. Yeah. She understood that he was just doing a job. Yes. Yeah, it seems like she dealt with people on their own terms a lot, you know, pretty straightforward. It's kind of interesting. What are your hopes for uh, the movie in terms of exhibition? Do you think it, it would you like it to have a theatrical run if that's possible when this all this is over and that type? I of hope thing? to. I mm-hmm. hope to. I don't know. I mean, you know, again, the question is who wants to see a film once it's streamed already? Yeah, yeah. I think, but then you have in a different world great, now. You're great cinephites and and people that really mm-hmm. appreciate cinema that for for that and uh, you know overseas. I don't know how they're pulling it off, but. You know, you can, in fact, Paris's, uh, Paris's theaters will be opened in a couple of months, and that's where we're going to be there, and mm-hmm. in Germany and in Japan. So, you know, we can see it over there, and or, you know, I may very well just get some theaters here mm-hmm. so that people can uh, see the film. I think, I don't know, I, I, we don't know. It's day by day, but I really do believe mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be in a good place the movie is the movie and I think it's, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I stand by it. I'm thrilled with it. And uh, it's great, you know, cause I got people from puffy psych being psychotic about it to Oprah yeah. being crazy about it. Great. Dif- the different powers of black people, you know, different, le- two different worlds of black people that uh, understand mm-hmm. us and see us on screen. And, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. 
What's coming up next for you, Lee? Are you going to keep directing things or uh, mm-hmm. other projects you do? Is there another lane that you're going to drop into for us? That, uh... Well, there's so much going on. I've got the television crazy stuff mm-hmm. that a lot of stuff I took when they canceled my shows, mm-hmm. you know, uh, after the Jesse Smollett incident, and I really do yeah. believe that they canceled that shit over there. I think that, you know, really? I think that, yeah, I think, I don't know. I don't know. That's my gut telling me, mm-hmm. you know, um, but it, whatever it did, it let me uh, free to go back to what it is that I know what mm-hmm. to do with this film, which was a God's, you know, that was a gift from God. Yeah. But um, I do miss television. I, I miss, uh, I miss the impact that, th- that I can make on people on a weekly basis. So, yeah. I'm uh, doing a couple, I'm doing a bunch of, I'm, they're not my shows, but they're shows that I'm producing. Sure. I'm producing um, The Spook Who Sat By The Door. I'm thrilled about that for FX great. with a great black uh, um, Gerard McMurray, who's a, I mean, I'm in awe of his uh, uh-huh. talent as a, as a, yes, he comes from the Ryan Coogler world and it's just, I'm in sure. awe of working with him and uh, I'm doing, you know, I'm doing waiting to exhale. I'm doing a bunch of television shows, but not my voice. So I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out what that thing is, maybe a procedural. Right. So a bunch of television shows that'll have my name on it, but I'm just producing it, giving voice to, uh, giving back to people that, that, uh, are more talented than me or just no. as talented. Well, you can godfather like, them. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like giving back is really important. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and then, um, and then just trying to, f- I think a procedural is what I am. I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to focus on a what is a lead yeah. Miss Freddie. I think you know, Miss Freddie. I'm going to put her in a procedural where That's she's great. going. To, she's going to solve crimes every week. Her and, <laughs> and, and, a, and, a, and a Republican voting Trump uh, Trumper. They'll be Cagney and Lacey. Figure out. That's great. You know that and. Uh, well, the cool thing about television, I feel television arguably is a is a better platform for different types of stories these days than film. Film is so hard to do. It feels like where that used to be the place to do these different things, you know, but television's mm-hmm. kind of replaced it in many ways, you know, mm-hmm. cause you know, if you're not doing a big platform, you know, series and film, you know, or that type of thing, mm-hmm. like you're, it's a miracle that you've made this film, I think, you know, uh, in that range. So I know it wasn't easy getting the money for it, you know, and that mm-hmm. type of thing, but I hope you can still make these types of films. That I don't know that. I mean, I, I think I'm, I don't know if I'm not. I will. Uh, I will retire because I don't mm-hmm. know of another way to creatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, exp- I don't know how to exist without. I've been doing it for thirty years, so I don't really right. know how else. But do uh, and the types of movies, Larry, that I want to do. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, they're very specific. Are there and, some more uh, stories that you personally that are Bayard Rustin? I want to do that. I want to mm-hmm. do that. Oh yeah, a, I, that would be mm-hmm. awesome. That'd be great. Yeah. Want to do yeah. Bayard? Want to do? Uh, I want to do a horror movie, but a real like Exorcist horror where you niggas be running out the theater with their hair on fire. That kind of old school shit. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about? I ain't been scared since Exorcist. Come on, you know it, and I know it. We really ain't been scared since Exorcist. I'm so trying to think I, right now. I don't know. No, Exorcist was pretty scary. That was Come pretty on, scary. Come on, man. If that's the bar yeah. I got to hit, and if that's what I, you know what I mean, and nothing is going to be better than a black woman <laughs> or a black man fighting the devil. Nothing. Wow. No, nothing. you're right about that. Oh, you guys heard it. Lee Daniels is going to be fighting <laughs> the devil coming up. Lee, uh, thanks so much for taking the time for being here out of your busy Thank schedule. You, He's promoting the movie United States versus Billie Holiday. Guys, I really, to me, it's a loving scrapbook of this person who has been misunderstood, who 
It's hard to categorize her. She's an American icon, not just a Black American icon. This woman, her music is sounds as contemporary today as it did when she first sang it. And to hear this other story of, you know, what this country has done to, to people is uh, thank you, Lee Daniels, for showing us that. We really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. I love you, Larry. I love being on your show. Oh, man, we love having you, Lee. Uh, <laughs> Wait, but my bubbles and said, Larry's, I said, oh, shit, that's that smart nigga. I got to pull it together. With ah, his- no, no, no. <laughs> no. I think, wait, when Lee was on the nightly show, I think you wore pajamas on the show, if I recall. I did. Well, yeah, yeah, man, I did. That, well, how long ago was I that? never forgot that. That was like, oh, God, five, six years ago. I'm, I was drinking, Negro. I was like, but it was it was fantastic. I'm like, this nigga's <laughs> wearing pajamas on my show. <laughs> how great is that? You know, but that was great. I always appreciated you being on it. Those were the, you know, trying to launch that and everything. That was great. We had fun, yeah. So much fun. All right, take care, my friend. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. God bless. Stay safe. Bye.